0: hello and welcome to Darlene's So Future podcast. Thank you all for joining me today. We have a very special guest. Not that I don't say that all the time, but today it's really special. We're talking about food, which is definitely my favorite subject. And we have Hanson Lee, the founder of Salt Partners here with us today. Hello, Hanson. So good to have you today and joining us.
1: Yes. Hi, Darlene.
0: Um, So tell me, how have you been? And um, first of all, Talk about Salt Partners. What is the focus? What do you do? And then we'll go from there.
1: Sure, I started Salt Partners in 2014 as a restaurant group in San Francisco. Now, it took me a while to admit that I was a restaurateur. Um, uh, as you know, Darlene, before starting Salt, um, I was in an investment world. Um, and so when I started Salt, I carried a lot of those thoughts into doing food. Um, so Salt Partners was built to be uh, the business partners to creatives within the food industry. Um, we strike partnerships with chefs, with um, bar owners to build successful businesses in the food and beverage world. Um, so, to date, uh, we're predominantly focused in San Francisco. Uh, we have Five portfolio companies here in San Francisco, ranging from Humphrey Slocum Ice Cream, all the way to Kren Dining Group, which owns the Mission Three Star Atelier Cren. I also have some restaurants in Texas. And wow. then earlier this year, I opened my first restaurant in Florida.
0: Wow, that's amazing. And to your point, I remember when I first met you, we won't say how many years ago, um, you know, you were working for the Heine Group and, um, and and doing a lot in China and, mm-hmm. and doing a lot, clearly, investment here as well. Uh, but how did you actually start investing in the F&B business? I remember you mentioned, you know, you had a small investment in Texas, but I really want to hear about, a little bit about your journey, if you would. Sure.
1: Um, I've always had a fascination with food. I mean, I like to eat. Um, I also enjoy cooking a lot, um, and I started my uh, Texas Ventures actually almost now 20 years ago. So my first restaurant that I've opened, or part of the opening, was um, came to, into the world in 2002. So it was almost 20 years that I've dabbled in, in, in restaurants. Um, when I started Salt in 2014, um, I was, I took a very business approach to starting restaurants, Most restaurants have started from a culinary side, right? Is I have a passion around this cuisine. I think this neighborhood needs this type of restaurant and, you know, and the entrepreneur goes. I start probably from a slightly different perspective, right? Whereas I look at macro opportunities, trends. I look at micro opportunities. So given a geography, given a neighborhood, given the team that we have, what could work, what should work? And so we do a lot of business planning before starting a business and um in ways i'm a weird weird restaurant tour in that i think any type of restaurant any type of cuisine any type of price point could work it's a matter of fit right in the tech world we talk about product market fit right so within the restaurant world right is really the product is the cuisine and type of restaurant the people right um the market And the market is defined as you know the type of cuisine or the type of geography
0: so so you know we started touching on trends and so what do you see are some of the trends what is like new hip and fun let's start there
1: (laughs) uh new hip and fun i think I think we're not quite there yet darling honestly right okay. given what what the whole industry has gone through the right. last 18 months right. I think it's really digging ourselves out of the hole right? Yeah. in ways I feel like we're you know I I was you know I had a, I was in a startup in 2001 right in ways I feel like this is like 2002 2003 like everyone's uh-huh. been decimated right but there were emerging right uh in terms of like Netflix was around Google IPO'd right and so there were the emerging companies right, that survived um, and I think that's where we are right now. I think there's a lot of still just survival for restaurants. Okay, right. Um, I think the pandemic has offered all of us a, a chance to really pause and rethink everything from the business model, from the type of cuisine, right? Um, how has customer behavior changed, right? One of the biggest trends, right, is um, the pandemic really accelerated the adoption of delivered food. Here yeah. in America, right. You know, generally you spend a lot of time in Asia, right? Right. Things have been delivered in Hong Kong and Taiwan and China forever, right?
0: For sure. Right? Yeah.
1: And we're now really catching up in San Francisco.
0: Wow.
1: And in and in the U.S.
0: So so as a result of the pandemic, I mean, you mentioned that you know a lot of the businesses had to rethink their business. What mm-hmm. do you think uh, in addition to the delivery part, which mm-hmm. clearly everybody is like dot, dot. they didn't did not want to go out there in the pandemic and only wanted things delivered, right mm-hmm. um, uh, to their doorstep, so to speak. Um, you know, what what do you think, you know, aside from a lot of businesses did shut down? How does that impact the businesses, your, the way that you're doing business now? And mm-hmm. what do you think, um, how has business or uh, F&B as we know it, how has it changed as a result of uh, the pandemic?
1: Sure. Um, I think, you know, I recognized that when the pandemic started that I didn't really know how to sell online. Oh. Which is, now, when you're a restaurateur, you you don't sell online, right? It's you come into my restaurant and I sell you things, right? It's all interface, right? It's all in real life.
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: When if another happened, right? All that went away immediately. So I think all of us had to learn on the fly of how do I sell you, Darlene, a meal over the website?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So e-commerce, right? So I feel one of the biggest learnings and I think one of the biggest gap that I saw as tours is our deficiency in understanding e-commerce, um, where if you look at almost every single other vertical, right, is including healthcare, right, in terms of using digital means to deliver services, uh, we're further behind. Um, and um, I think there's a lot of um, restaurants that are now wondering, right, okay, what else can we do Via the digital channel that we had to do to, during the pandemic, and how do we now weave it into our now, you know, recovering in real life business, right? I.e., our restaurants.
0: So you know, I remember you opened a, a restaurant during the pandemic, right? You want to talk about that? <laughs> Let's talk about that because I know I tried the food. I'm I like the food. I mean, it's kind of like this is comfort food. But talk about it. Talk about you know how you came up with the idea, or you know, you're the co-founders, and then yeah.
1: Let's talk about it. Sure. So, um, Lazy Susan is an idea that I've had for many, many years. Um, I, you know, my family moved to the United States in the mid '80s from Hong Kong, and we moved to upstate Rochester, New York. Um, and I still remember my dad um, used to ask, like, Where, "Where's the Domino's of Chinese food?" Right. Yeah. Um, and so that idea has always stuck with me. Um, so. Um, early this year in 2021, um, I put that idea into reality. So Lazy Susan is a Chinese-American takeout concept. Um, now, we're serving very traditional, to your point, barely nostalgic food. It's good kapao right. chicken, general chow chicken, broccoli beef, chow and fried rice. So all things are very familiar to Americans. Um, but we spend a lot of time actually on R&D,
0: mm-hmm.
1: on how do we optimize the food for delivery, packaging um, how we pack the food and present the food right yeah. so it's really rethinking about um, versus just sending you a, a bunch of you know white pagoda boxes
0: right
1: um, so how do I cook the food differently right so that it travels better
0: mm-hmm.
1: so I think you know that was you know after a year of pandemic and after thinking about doing this takeout delivery only concept I thought that we can really just spend a little more time on on the humanistic elements right Mm -hmm. of the delivered food Mm -hmm. versus just thinking you want to do in a restaurant put it in a box and giving it to you right so that was the 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 genesis of lazy Susan.
0: yeah that's cool i mean i'm believe me i'm happy with (laughs) with, (laughs) with, with, when i when i started uh, getting that so and so you know that is in in many ways innovative right because you know, you were, you were addressing a certain market and a certain mm-hmm. demand. Mm-hmm. What other innovations do you see coming up? Have you seen other trends coming up?
1: Um, I think that in many ways, um, our dietary, okay. um, compliance, dietary needs, yeah. um, is more than ever now in the forefront. Um, and so is. It, now, it's always about the deliciousness of the food. Correct. But then there are now secondary, right? It's almost from a business side, right? We used to care about profit, right? Now, we, you know, there's a double bottom line that we care about, right? ESG yeah. that we care about We're on the corporate side. Right. I think customers are asking for more and more of that now from the food that they eat, right? Ah. Is So, you know, vegetarianism and veganism is growing rapidly. Right. Um, I think there's a increasing awareness of the sourcing of food right where food comes from right from from industrialized plants to industrialized um, you know um, animals that are raised to farm farming uh, farm fishing, um, so I think there's a lot of question being asked now of where the food is are from and how they are grown. Um, and what are the technology and scientific innovations, right, that can get us out of, right, relying on land and water, right? So trends in vertical farming in terms of produce. uh, Obviously, plant-based protein has already grown a lot. Um, Now there are increasingly companies, um, you know, they're getting close with with lab-grown protein, right, from upside foods on chicken, I think I'm doing a tasting on the salmon later on this month. Um, the those salmon. are coming.
0: Yeah, yeah the
1: cell salmon. I've tasted a tuna. Um, so yeah, those those are coming, um, and I think that there are. It still will, will take time, But just like Impossible Meat took a bit, right, in terms of customer acceptance to them getting manufacturing correct, right, into a into a more mass market price point. But I think over the next five, 10 years, we'll see more of these alternative proteins.
0: So so to date, we've been talking, you know, so far, we've been talking about consumer demand driving, you know, how you're innovating or your mm-hmm. new um, concepts. Do you think that, you know, working with chefs, finding the right chef, do they also dictate, hey, this is a great idea, one, and two, do they actually influence consumer demand as well?
1: I think so. Um, and I think is a um, is a game of telephone that I think this industry has uh-huh. has experienced for many many decades. Um, the chefs do set the tone in terms of ingredients, flavor profile, techniques. You know, use source right. Impossible uh-huh. Meat when they launched, they went to David Cheng. they went to the chefs right to put their items on the menu. Right. Um, or if you rewind many many years ago, right? Is um, uh, you know there was I still remember reading a magazine, right? There's a trace of the idea or the of the of the menu item, the molten chocolate cake, right? The lava cake. Yes. Where it came from originally from a high end restaurant. then went to more restaurants. Then it went to you know I think at the end of it was basically a frozen lava cake that you can get in Safeway, right? So. Yeah. Now it takes many years, right, in terms of that um, that influence flow,
0: right, um, right.
1: But I do think that, yeah, uh, you know, like you know, my partner, Chef Dominic Kren, right, announcing that we will be the first, if not one of the first, restaurants to serve uh, lab-grown chicken at mm-hmm. our Mission three-star restaurant. Wow! Right, that's gonna that's generate a lot of press, already for right. Outside Foods, right, and. Her and the team's ability to demonstrate this is this is delicious stuff that we can make delicious, and I think that's going to have a huge influence, right, in terms of how that the consumer acceptance, right, of lab-grown meat.
0: Yeah, you know, you've worked with so many chefs, and you know, you come up with quite a few. But let's talk about which which project or which restaurant has been your favorite to Uh, uh, conceptual. Let's
1: um, or two. Well, I think oftentimes the first is the most special, right? So um, the first project that I was really involved with uh, after I started Partners, was the build out of the Humphrey Slocum ice cream store in the Ferry building. Oh. Right, Um, and now, I mean, that was fun in a lot of different ways, right? First is an iconic location within San Francisco. Right. um, Very high profile. Secondly, is ice cream.
0: <laughs> Who doesn't like ice
1: cream? <laughs> and at that time, you know, my kids were seven and five. So, uh-huh. you know, dad going out to open an ice cream shop made me a very cool dad. So <laughs> that was, um, that, that was, you know, that, that was my first in San Francisco. Um, and that was a lot of fun. Um, and I still remember the lines growing on those first few days uh, of people waiting to get a, get a scoop of ice cream. And that was also very gratifying,
0: yeah, I remember lining up. <laughs> so, but anyway, so and and so of all the concepts, what do you think has been the toughest concept, but the thing is that has also been the most rewarding?
1: It's um, a great question. Um, I mean, uh, starting lazy Susan during the pandemic is was hard, right? because, in many ways us uh, the small businesses in san francisco and many other cities have had to learn how to deal with a whole bunch of things that we didn't really have to worry about of course
0: health
1: department guidances all the time we there are a lot of rules right that govern how we run a restaurant Mm -hmm. but now there's a whole additional layer of, Mm -hmm. of, of, of you know now the most recently right is um creating the policy and procedure of checking folks vaccination cards right? right which is a whole different step
0: right
1: what happens when a guest becomes unhappy when we do that right so all those little things that the pandemic had caused has created you know just another layer of complexity of already what is a very difficult um operations of running a restaurant so for lazy susan um on top of that um you know it is really my first uh, concept that Uh, That is delivery and takeout first. So I really had to learn about, all right, working with delivery drivers, working with the delivery companies. um, How do I um, still build that customer connection when almost all of our customers, right, they don't come into the store, right? They just get a bag of food from us. Um, right. And so that's been very difficult, um, but rewarding in, in ways that are... Surprising, right? I mean, it is, um, I, I feel like, since we are a delivery takeout concept, we mm-hmm. get way more feedback than my brick and mortar restaurants.
0: Okay.
1: People just feel, okay, just typing in <laughs>
0: <laughs> you know,
1: something good or bad, right? Right, right. Um, and, and so that's also, so we also learned a lot, right? From our customers in terms of making lazy Susan a better, a better concept.
0: So real-time market research. Hey, you can't ask for anything more. Oh, yes. <laughs> That's great. That's great. So, so, you know, it's really interesting that your um, um, your fund or your company is focused on San Francisco, whereas um, I'm talking to a lot of other FNB funds and they're saying, oh, I'm not coming to San Francisco. You're too tough. Why do you pick San Francisco? And what <laughs> would be your advice to those guys?
1: Um, San Francisco is my home right? Um, And it is still a very special place for culinary, right? People come to San Francisco still expecting to be wowed. Yes. I just got an email from a business school classmate. He's coming in next month um, from the East Coast, and they are very interested, right, in what to eat. I have friends coming from Austin, right, where, you know, they are, they're making sure that I remember to help them get the table at Atelier <laughs> <laughs> Um And so there's still a lot of, um, you know, we still, San Francisco, we still set the trends right. in a lot of ways within right. culinary, within the US and within the world. Um, the second thing that's exciting at San Francisco is because we're so near to all the innovation, right, on both the production of food, like right, the, the lab grown or the plant based around technology. Uh, restaurant is a very um, old industry Mm -hmm. we don't use a lot of technology but there are a lot of startups that are trying to get the restaurant industry to become better and more efficient and Mm -hmm. they're all here i guess the advice in terms of you know opening something here in san francisco is um just think twice as long (laughs) as you would in you know versus other other cities um but i also know that you know, I've I've been lucky in that I've had some good successes in San Francisco. Um, when it is successful, it can be very successful.
0: Right, that's awesome, and thank you so much, Hanson. I think we're about running out of time, but let's at least share um, how to reach Lazy Susan if anybody wants to order from Lazy Susan.
1: Sure, we are based in Hayes Valley. Um, the website is lazy dot com. Uh, we deliver throughout San Francisco. Um, so I would be excited for all of you to try it. Um, some of my other places in San Francisco, include uh, includes Horse Feather, a restaurant and bar, Last Rights, uh, which, um, is a tiki bar, um, Humphrey's ice cream and all the Korean restaurants.
0: Awesome. Thank you so much, Hanson, for joining us today. It was great talking to you. And I'm sure if we had more time, you and I could definitely continue talking and you know, but we could probably do that over a drink or, or two someday. So Absolutely. Again, and thank you all. Um, if you want to order from Lazy Susan, the website is lazy lazysusanchinese.com located in Hayes Valley. And as Hanson mentioned, mentioned they also have horse feather, last right, Humphrey Slocum ice cream in the Ferry Building and the Kren Restaurants. Um, So again, thank you for joining us. And by the way, we have a new podcast coming out every single Friday. So do tune in. And if you're looking for a podcast to listen to or a different topic, always check out www.globalsf.biz. Thank you for joining me and Hanson. And we look forward to seeing you next time. Thanks and have a great day.